Hi, this is Dolly Foster from the Oakland Park District. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. What up, though? Shout out to my homeboy Ian Neal in Cardiff for breaking the world's records for the biggest vegetable. Man, I want to tell you something, man. When I do my show in Cardiff, I want you to come backstage and see me because I do vegetation myself, and I want to know your secret so I can show you my vegetables and see if you can grow that into a real big vegetable. So Ian Neal from Cardiff, come see your boy Snoop Dogg. I got two tickets for you when I get to town. You dig? Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at the Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Oh, that's nasty. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hello, hello. Featuring Honey Badger. And Honey Badger don't care, as we know. Honey Badger don't give a rip. <laughs> Something Ooh, that's like, nasty. Oh, that's nasty. Uh, and, uh, boy, we've got a, a, a great show today. I'm very excited to have... Our buddy back in the studio, Skeet, and uh, sometimes known as MD Skeet, but really his his name is Skeet. Good that, morning, thank you. How you doing? I'm doing great. And Beautiful drive in this morning. It, oh, good. Yes, it is a lovely day in the neighborhood. And Skeet is the uh, arborist, certified arborist. I found out something really interesting. Well, first of all, I should mention that. He's a certified arborist with uh, Bartlett Tree Experts, and I didn't know that you were one of the very first certified arborists in Illinois back in the 90s. I was number 126, over 9,000 certified arborists, and so, yes, I I had hair back then, and... And the exciting part is, is just with being a certified arborist, there's continuing education that goes with that. So it's not just a one-time, here's your certificate. Well, you know, it's like lawyers, it's like doctors, it's it's like uh, master gardeners. You you have to go out and get education each year, and uh, you have to do volunteer work. I don't know if you have to do volunteer work, but master gardeners have to do volunteer work, but also educational uh, hours they have to get as well. Um, and that's good because you need to keep up with what's going on, especially in the world of trees. 
Uh, and and that is your cue, you folks listening right now, to call us at 877-711-5611 if you have a tree care question, because that's kind of where we're headed in this first hour of the show today. Um, and uh, you can also uh, write us. Uh, a lot of folks ask questions on Facebook or on Facebook Live. You go to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and actually on Facebook it's The Mike Novak Show, or you can go to Twitter, at Mike Now, M-I-K-E-N-O-W, all those places, ask questions, make comments, be a part of the program. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. So um, that's that's the deal. And yesterday, Peggy and I did a quick hit on Mighty House with Ron Cowgill, and we had... Ash was here, and he was asking me all these different questions about tree care, and I'm and I'm I'm pulling rabbits out of my hat trying to answer, and I'm thinking, you know, no, 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 you need to listen tomorrow when Skeet's here because Skeet is the real deal. Give us and, a call, yes. If oh, you're out there, Ash. Yeah. So, what is it that uh, you do as a certified arborist, Skeet? Thank you. So, so what I'm here is we're going to play stump the arborist this morning. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly how that works. Exactly. That's a great way to, and, and, to phrase that. And, and, you and, like that? And I will yeah. say, like life, like medicine, like a lot of things in the world, there's often no exact answer that you're taking your best guess based on the species, based on the situation, based on a lot of different factors, right? A- absolutely. And, and any good tree doctor, like you may, like you mentioned with medicine doctors, we really need to see the patient. So we're going to give some ideas and some thoughts here. Uh, and, and the bottom line is having a tree doctor, having a certified arborist on site with you is, is the way to go to take a look at the tree, the concern together. Yeah. So, so, so yes, and that's and uh, is that the way when when you go out to visit a client you start? That, <laughs> I mean, what's the first thing you say to a client when you walk on site? Sure. The the most exciting calls are. I've heard of your organization. We want to come out. Could you evaluate our trees? Come on out. Let's meet. Let's take a look together. To your point, Mike and Peggy. Uh, unfortunately, what we usually get is. The tree's been doing this. It's been doing this for two or three years. I need you right away. And so mm-hmm. we get the calls yeah. saying, now that I've seen it, now that it's doing whatever the concern is, we need you right away. I, there's and, a similar thing. We're about to break here. And there's that music. Uh, but I get the same thing with lawn care mm-hmm. where people say, I've got Creeping Charlie. And you know they've had it for 10 years. And they call you and say, hey, I got this problem. Can you fix it by next week? And I say, "Mm, I'm not playing that game with you, okay? All right, Right. we're talking trees. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and Skeet. Stick around. Awesome. Thank you. It's the Angelic Organics 11th Annual Harvest Moon Dinner on September 13th, supporting the center's work to bring urban and rural people together to build local food systems. Feast on a freshly harvested gourmet meal designed by executive chef Cletus Friedman at the Scenic Theater on the Lake. Dinner ingredients will be served at peak freshness from sustainable sources. Peggy and I will be there with a bunch of folks who love good local food and fun. Go to learngrowconnect.org slash harvestmoon. 
If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that uh, a couple of junipers and a lawn just ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16 at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impact dash conference. One of McHenry County's premier sustainability events is coming up, and now's the time to sign up. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place in November, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Peggy and I were there, and I bowled pumpkins for compost. It's a fun way to interact with the green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. You better think, think, think about what you're trying to do to me, yeah. Think, 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 that you might well let yourself be free. Let's go back, let's go back, let's go around the I didn't even know you, you came to me in too much more. Yeah, and, and in this case, well, first of all, uh, had to have a little tribute to Absolutely. Aretha. Uh, and uh, in this case, though, it's you better think what you're trying to do to trees. We could change the words. Mm-hmm. What you trying to do to trees? Ah, uh, yeah, because we've got Skeet in the studio from uh, Bartlett Tree Experts, and uh, we've already got a question pouring in, don't we, Peggy? Yes, we do. Coming from Andrew. He says he's got friends in Northern California who lost trees to fire this year. Is there something that can be done to save scorched trees? Again, that's going to be one we on-site decisions, though. Water, water, water. Um, I mean, we're... In California, here in Illinois, uh, we, we can't scream, jump up and down loud enough, wave our hands, uh, water, water, water. And, and there's, with that, there's proper watering. Uh, we got to remember, trees have uh, root systems. The root systems, 90% are within the first 6 to 10 inches of the soil surface. The tree roots go out as far and past the drip line of the tree. And what is a drip line, sir? The drip line would be defined as when you look at the outside perimeter of the trees, that would be the drip line. And and as you mentioned, Mike, different trees, different species, different growth patterns. Mm-hmm. Some trees are a lot more columnar, narrow in form. Some are lollipop round in form. <laughs> and so um, bottom line is there's not a magical mouth part at the base of the tree. Putting the hose at the base of the tree is not how we'd like to see a tree watered, uh, an oscillating flip-flop sprinkler out uh, except, away from okay, the tree. Okay, now wait, let me stop you there, there yeah. for a second. But yeah. if you have a new tree, the, a drip hose might be a good thing. Correct, or the gator bag idea. Right. Absolutely. Uh, because okay, newly, t- newly defined as newly planted, yes. Right, newly planted, although some people say newly planted extends to three years, that some people use that, it's like, you know, so folks say, well, I planted it three years ago. I don't know what the problem is. Well, the problem is it's still a baby tree. 
Yes. Um, like humans uh, to some degree, and the root system hasn't gone out. But especially when you just plant a tree, uh, a, a young tree, sometimes the easiest way to water it is to just get a little drip hose on a root ball, right? Correct, correct. Right. Or if you wanted to stand there and, and um, let that hose go for <laughs> five, ten minutes and wait a week and then hit it again. Yeah. yeah. So, well, but, you, so but, you don't but, need to have that, though you're correct, it's an option. Uh, yeah, but 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 what again? You're talking about different trees, different situations. So if you have a mature tree, yeah. putting a, a drip hose at the base of the tree does nothing, right? Correct, <laughs> and, and and could actually cause problems with um, trunk rot, root rot, and some different issues. So yes, um, and so let's say you have a mature tree, and you're you're concerned, and and again, something that's let's say it's been around ten, twenty years. All right, and it's got a canopy and a drip line that goes out of ways. Um, I know what I've heard about how to water. You tell me what what do you like to tell people about watering a, a mature tree? You cannot, as a general guidelines, watering once a week. You cannot overwater the tree. Watering every day, mm-hmm. not good. Uh huh. Trees wasting water and possibly doing damage to the tree. Absolutely, the trees need oxygen. And so those root systems need to breathe. They need to exchange well, oxygen. Well, the roots need oxygen is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And, and so we want to water, soak in, and then let it go for a week to 10 days. Mm-hmm. Every day, not good, a week to 10 days. And the challenge is in our landscape environment, we may have trees, shrubs, perennials, annuals, and they're all living in that same mm-hmm. underground, earthy area, and they've got different water demands on each of them. You may have those favorite perennials, annuals right around the base of the tree, and they're getting water right at the base of the tree. May not be the most ideal situation for the tree, mm-hmm. better for the annuals. And now we've got potential root <laughs> rot issues on the tree. So and, and uh, that, and, and that's, that's a, a delicate really, balance. It's yeah. a really good point is because yeah. what people do, their idea of landscaping is often, let's put all these plants at the base of the tree, and we're going to ring the tree. A ring of hostas. A right ring of hostas, bottom. a ring of impatience uh, around the tree. And we we understand there's there's not a lot of sun, so we have to put hostas and impatience there. So, But then they just, as you say, they're watering them like crazy to keep those things going, and the trees might be suffering from that. And then they call their favorite certified arborist from Bartlett Tree Experts, and we head out there, and then we do a little digging, and we say, gee, do you see all the bark flaking off the base of the tree? We've got some root rot issues, and you've loved your flowers to tree to death. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, again, that's where we'd rather be proactive. You have trees? Call a certified arborist. Let's do a risk assessment. Let's look at your trees. Let's look at them together. People are loath to do that. They yeah. would rather call a radio show yeah. and get some quick advice than have a, a true professional come out. What mm-hmm. is that all about? What's that yeah. reluctance to have yeah. an arborist yeah. come out and look at your tree? Well, I mean, life is busy. And and so, I mean, you you leave when it's dark. You come home when it's dark and the trees are standing. Then there's not a tree problem. Uh, it's when you go out there in the backyard on the weekend, you may see something, then then all of a sudden it flags. However, <laughs> people get busy. There's sports, there's kids, and, and, and so life is just busy. It just needs to be part of the priority to say, you know what, I'm going to have my trees inspected. That is, these are live living assets. These yes. are large living assets, I should say, uh, and, and 
bad news is bad news. We've all heard storm damage and bad news. You don't want to be there, so let's take a look together. If if this is a priority and you're loving trees, then Mm -hmm. that just goes with the the plan. Well, and often a tree care company, and by the way, just a quick uh, reintroduction, that's Skeet from Bartlett Tree Experts. Uh, If you want information, they can go to Bartlett. What is it? Bartlett.com. Bartlett.com. It's that easy. Bartlett.com. Yeah. Okay, good. Bartlett.com, B-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. And, oh, and of course, I just doing, by doing that, I lost my whole train of thought where I was going to go with it. It's just (laughs) up my head. Um, okay. Oh, well, part of large was, living creatures, large living, trees. Yes. Large well, assets I, I, yeah. And, and value. But the other thing was eight seven 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 one one fifty six one one. And I and they are a large. You're right. They're they're the greatest plants on earth, and we treat them sometimes as if they're not even living. We assume, uh, not me, but other people assume you can't hurt a tree because it's so big. How could you possibly hurt a tree? How will be people be wrong about that? Well, you already well, mentioned one, which is you could overwater the thing, or the, or not water, or not mm-hmm. water. Yeah, and 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 I've only been doing this for thirty years, so uh, <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of range of experience that uh, is there. There there's so much history where we think about well, the American elms, well, Dutch elm disease, ash, emerald ash borer, chestnut, chestnut blight. So just having an on a resource like a certified arborist to say, what's coming down the road? Just because my grandfather planted a spruce tree means all spruce are good. Well, we need to know that there's some spruce diseases that are out there. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you work with a certified arborist with that. We need to know that the climate has changed. There's different insects, disease that are now present that were not there 30 years ago. And if you keep doing the same thing and you do what you used to do, and you don't have these inspected, then there's bad bad results could occur. All right, several things. One is is the spruce. I want to get back to spruce because a lot of people want to grow their spruces, but when you're planting something called a, a Colorado spruce in your backyard, there's a reason it's called Colorado, yes. uh, and you probably should be paying attention to that. Uh, it's not so much with a Norway maple, I guess, because they do really well here. But Colorado spruces have issues, and there are, there are issues. But I want to circle back real quickly to mm-hmm. the original question, which was yeah. we had a tree. It's getting scorched yeah. by fires. So basically – and I've seen this happen actually on Chicago streets where these trucks come down and they're doing sewer work, and they will scorch branches on, on a tree. Now, not all the branches, the way a forest or wildfire will will do, but you can get uh, scorching on trees even in an urban area like that. Um, how, what does it take for a tree to recover from having, let's say, 50% of its leaves scorched in, in a fire or some other uh, uh, event? Sure. And and then you're talking urban areas uh, with, with the branches – um, you're talking a lot of times the asphalt t- trucks. That's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, because yeah. I because I've watched it happen on my right. my block where they just blasted those trees and suddenly those branches are there. The leaves are all dead and uh, now you know and, and I'm and it's and it's ugly. Usually it, it'll come back because if it's only part of the tree. Right. But but when we're talking California, we're talking a lot of the tree. Maybe three quarters of a tree. Maybe the whole tree got scorched. Correct. Can it can it possibly come back? Yeah, and, and leaves and branches different than trunk and stem. So, mm-hmm. again, that's one of those on-site decisions. Uh, 
though, if you can get some moisture to the tree ahead of time and then water afterwards, again, in that situation, maybe every uh, four or five days, again, the trees need the oxygen, so watering every day, not so good. Mm-hmm. We want to water. We've got to get the, let the, the uh, root system breathe again, bring in the oxygen, pump the water up to the trunk of the tree. So it's the basic tree care. Uh, so, water, so what does Water, happen? mulch, fertilize, right. basic tree care. So you've got this tree that's damaged. Can you save it? You're saying the only way to save it is get some triage, no pun intended, um, water Correct. immediately to the yeah. base of that tree is the way that that tree has a chance of surviving, right? Yes, and to the root system of that tree. And in an urban environment, you're right. I mean, that root system, concrete, block, parkway, edge, curb, it is difficult to do that. And so having some consultation to go with and then a fertilization, a root enhancing plan, because just because there's soil, which is compacted clay, doesn't make for a strong root system. So let's improve the root conditions. Let's get a soil test so we can get the right nutrients to the tree. So let's get with the basics, soil test, water, mulch, fertilization, basic tree care to get a good start on that tree. Basic stuff, you know, but... Again, you got to know what that is and and do it right because uh, there's so many ways that we we screw up with trees. Uh, let's get back real quick to the, the 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 spruce issue. There's a there's a couple of diseases that have been pretty mm-hmm. common in our area to spruces that cause issues and the, and the problem uh, is uh, that once uh, that spruce starts to die, those those branches aren't coming back. There's other trees where you might get some of the back, but once the needles and the branches are gone, they're gone, right? Correct. And then a lot of times those spruce trees are, are put in for screening and, and there's some overlap and there's some shading issues. And so we're going to get uh, some challenges with the fact that we've got two diseases out there, Cytospora or Cytospora uh, and then needle cast, which is a needle fungus. And so we've got Two big concerns. Are those both fungal diseases? Or are they slightly different? Or Correct. What are, okay. One affects the trunk of the tree. One affects the needles of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're often confused with each other because the symptoms are similar, right? And, and, and a lot of times they're both present at the tree at the same ah, time. And, so and you so get a double whammy. You get a double whammy. Uh, it's a stress disease and it's a uh, weather result due to the needle fungus. And so with the spruces, again, many times being overlapped, put in rows, uh, they're just shading themselves out. <laughs> you know, and that's the other thing. We, the way we plant stuff is important. And uh, how many, you know, variety is important. And if you're planting a row of, of trees, a row of anything, and it gets a disease, everything's going to get it or could. Yes. And then suddenly they're all gone. And I have to do a shout out to our buddy, Pat Sketch who's got some spruces um, that he, I think they're spruces. I, now i got to go look at the email that I put together because he sent me photos. And these are the diseases that came up because I sent the photos to my arborist friends and they said, oh, yeah, this is an issue. Uh, Pat, those trees are goners, basically, at least a couple of them for sure. I mean, you can limb up and maybe slow it down, but at some point you really have to bite the bullet and just get rid of them, don't you? Yeah, and, and most, yes, and, and most of the time people want those evergreens for that screening of 10 foot and lower. So we start raising the lower limbs. <laughs> yes, and does, yeah. it, it's defeating the purpose now. That's it. And, and suddenly so, it's a lollipop. That's it. You, you get the, the totem pole with a little umbrella on top. 
Um, looks like something you put in your cocktail drink, <clears throat> and that may not be the the. It would be des- Paul Bunyan's cocktail. The Paul Bunyan pot cocktail, and, and if, that, if that's not the desired look, again, these are great on-site decisions to make yeah. with your arborist. Get the green team, homeowner, arborist, landscaper. Let's get on-site. Let's start making these decisions. Where do we want to go from here? What's yeah. the next step? So, cytospora being a canker-related disease on the trunk, correct? Taking off a couple of rows over time if how long would an affected tree last on a very tall mature spruce that is the the question of the day uh i uh, trees make fools of us uh, on a regular (laughs) basis um i've looked at some spruce trees they do they see us walking up as certified arborists and they just smile and wave their branches at us they uh i've seen some spruce trees where i've let homeowners know boy i'd give it two to three years and 10 years later boy the tree looks the same thing. Mm-hmm. And other times I've said five to ten years and two years later the tree goes. Uh, cytospora is very difficult to predict the time frame mm-hmm. on. Uh, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's a Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. That's our buddy Skeet from Bartlett Tree Experts. We're talking trees. I want to get uh, we're going to be breaking here in a second but uh, we had some questions asked yesterday um, that uh, I want to pose to you mm-hmm. And um, uh, it had to do with when to plant trees, because here we are at the the middle to end of August and getting ready for the fall. And I'm sure a lot of people hear that this is a good time to plant trees. Or is it, uh, you know, is it is it uh, the fall or is it the spring and which species are you supposed to put in at what time? Um, and, uh, I know, I do know a hundred percent. It's an easy call up in our, uh, Northern Midwest. This is the perfect time for lawns. Okay. That's, that's a given, but trees, hmm, trees might be a little trickier. So that's the question we're going to come back. You've got something crawling there in your, Oh yeah. One of the, uh, Oh, the bag worms. The bag worms in the house. Oh no. Get a shot of that, Peggy. This is just. Ah, bagworms in the studio. Last week, Monarchs, this week, The Mike Novak Show with Peggy (laughs) Balecki. We'll be back with bagworms. From boat to doorstep, you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Streets Alive returns to Main Street in Evanston on Sunday, September 9, from 1 to 5 p.m., and the Mike Novak Show is proud to be a sponsor. There'll be live music, kids' crafts, pollinator garden tours, bubbles, chalk art, painting, sports demos, delicious food from street vendors, and the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. As always, Main Street will be open for people to walk, bike, scooter, and skate. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? 
Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum. And they charged the people a dollar and a half to see them. No, no. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You'd be in paradise and put up a fucking lie. And I have discovered that finding good songs about trees is just as hard as finding good songs about gardening. Is that you'll just. <laughs> we talked about that last week with our friends from the Garden Writers Association who are in the studio, and it's tough to find good bump music with. Uh, that has trees or gardens or things like that. So that's why I just kind of go with eh, whatever I find. We've got uh, Skeet in the studio here along with his bagworm friends. Uh, do you want? Oh my gosh, that's creepy. I'm sorry. That is <laughs> I so. I need to do a video. You have of that. to do a video. That is so creepy. Um, would you explain what this is? And 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 Peggy, yeah, you got to do a side video. Uh, uh, how do we? We can't do that while we're doing this. Uh, well, we'll try. <laughs> well, you know, we could do, wait. No, no. I know what we can do. Hold on. All right. No, I'm going to take this camera. No, I'll do Keep a talking. Bit. Keep talking. Okay. Keep welcome, talking. welcome to my world and, and bugs. And, okay. And we have oh, fun. I weird. I no, 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 no. I'll, I, I, I will, I will do a video of it and post right. it later. Although I did, if you go to the Mike Novak show on Facebook right now, there is a photo of a bagworm. Yeah, crawling but, across what, what the studio. What makes it interesting is that it's crawling there, and it's just the one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. Explain bagworms and what's the, the significance of them, Skeet. We have a worm that's in a bag, hence bagworm, though it is a bag that the worm creates. And these, As opposed to a bag of worms. Exactly. And, and this bagworm comes to us from a spruce tree, so it is a spruce needle which the bagworm feeds on the spruce, digests the spruce needles, um, trying to keep it. Uh, you should just uh, do it. Uh, I, we could do it live on uh, on my personal site so that I'll we could do the video Okay. And right. the bagworm keeps his home with him or her and travels down the needles and the branches of the tree, feeds, and then escapes into the bag, spends the night in the bag, and then carries the bag with and keeps feeding and eating and keeps traveling down the needles of the, the branches, digesting and eating, and defoliates trees. What uh, kinds of trees does it go for? Um, this one is a spruce tree, and so I say that because you'll have different layers or 
the shape spruce of the bagworm. Spruce are really worm. problematic, aren't they? Spruce, spruce, <laughs> spruce are the hot topic today. I thought yeah. we thought we'd concentrate yeah. on our on our friendly spruce trees, um, and uh, locust trees. The bag worms can really um, be put on any tree. Birds, squirrels, bunnies, chipmunks carry them to different trees. Though feeding is generally spruce and uh, locust trees would be the ones that to really uh, concentrate. And on. how serious is out. the damage? From... It, it's very serious. Um, these these little critters uh, multiply quickly and spread very quickly. <clears throat> the good news is. Again, having a tree doctor on site doing some inspections, mm-hmm. there's times um, I've found them and took a pair of hand pruners and clipped them out and stepped on them, and they become organic matter for the lawn, and, and we move on. We don't need to always have a chemical control or chemical for applications. Wow. And, and, and to your point, Mike and Peggy, people get busy. They don't know what to look for in their trees. And mm-hmm. so that's why you bring the certified arborists out before a third or a half of your spruce tree is defoliated to have somebody inspect a tree. I got to ask a question about the Facebook. Did I did I screw that camera up there, Ben? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, that might have been Thanks, me. Mike Novak. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, <laughs> man. Blame Bill. No, that's a blame Bill moment. Uh, bring in the creepy, gross bugs and, and let them crawl on the counter and... Thanks, Mike Novak. All right. Sorry about that. I don't know. Well, all I did was move the camera and then put it right back in its spot. So you're frozen there, Skeet. I don't know if you saw the uh, the I image see, there. I see it moving again. Okay. Well, mine is. Skeet's is frozen. Yeah, Skeet's is frozen. And yours is frozen. Oh, I'm frozen too. Okay. And Yikes. I'm, so. And I'm waving. Uh, I guess. It's, figure. I just. Yeah, all right. Hold, but, hold that thought for a moment yeah. there. Uh, and it's not the best look I've had today. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Um, so uh, what's the difference between uh, the the bagworm and something like uh, a webworm? Bagworm, webworm has, creates a web or a tent or a home, then leaves the home, feeds, and comes back mm-hmm. to the home. And you'll see these big old, they look like, Spider webs, cobwebs on your tree. They're mm-hmm. webs. Of, exactly. Of, uh, and, and the bag. Yeah. The bagworm uh, just the, moves. The bagworm bag just takes, m- the home takes, with. takes the home with. Exactly. And it's weird. It's just yeah. like this inanimate thing moving there. Yeah. It's like a crab or something. It's yeah. just strange. It's like a little shell. Yeah. 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 So yeah. We, we do have another question that came in from oh. Wally. He wanted to know what types of diseases are affecting linden trees. Lindens. Lindens uh, about two, two to four weeks ago were attacked by Japanese beetles. Oh, so they love they linden love trees. linden trees. Oh, yeah. And uh, remembering Japanese beetles are grubs. Grubs turn into Japanese beetles. Mm-hmm. And if we get a good cold winter without a lot of insulation, we get a deep freeze. We have less grub population. We'll have less Japanese beetle population. In general lindens um, can bounce back from Japanese beetle applications. In my 30 years, I've never seen a linden die due to Japanese beetles. I do see people upset. I do see people frustrated. I do see lindens thinned out. Uh, and so it's not a devastating disease, mm-hmm. or I shouldn't say disease, excuse me, insect attack to the lindens, uh, though it is an aesthetic issue that people need to make a decision on. Is that the look? Is that the desired result? Um, the thing about Japanese beetles, though, uh, I talked to an entomologist uh, years ago who said, you know, 
you so, so say you got a linden and it's got Japanese beetles. Well, it's so huge the tree generally that it's hardly worth um, an insecticide application. And you're you've got a window of four to six weeks or something like that where the Japanese beetles are doing most of their damage. So you might as well just wait it out. Um, rather than starting to affect your your local environment with sprays and stuff like that, and it costs money and so forth. Um, and then, if you're continuing to get that problem, say with your roses as well uh, and your trees, you might consider different trees. You might consider different uh, uh, plants. Um, probably the the first attack is consider the species you're growing, and if they keep getting attacked, then may you know like spruce trees. Get rid of the spruce spruce trees and get rid of the linden if 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 that's all it ever does is get Japanese beetle. And and I hear you, and that's why we speak about diversify, diversify, diversify. Mm-hmm. So if you have just one linden and it gets hit with Japanese beetles, okay, that's just one out of your ten, twelve trees. Okay, you can still, if you like the linden, like the linden, enjoy it, enjoy the the uh, the spring flowers. Um, it's a it's a hardy tree, fantastic. And then realize certain time of the year it's going to be a little thin. Let's concentrate and let's look at the other trees. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, that's one issue with lindens. Lindens can also have some girdling root situations, uh, twisted roots at the base of the tree. Uh, so we're, we're seeing that more and more. So with when you linden. say girdling, exactly. is it you mean coming from uh, from the grower where the, the the roots have gone around and so that it was in the pot and it wasn't corrected when it was planted, so they continue to girdle and then they. They hurt the tree. Correct. Or it just naturally, that's the way the tree grows. Ah. Or we talk about volcano mulching. <laughs> yeah, hello. All right. I got it. Okay. You know, I mean, that, I mean, we got to have another whole show on that one. Okay. Now, so, I have, now I have to say something here because yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I'm driving by Humboldt Park yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. I'm looking, hey, look, they got all this new mulch out there. And then I start looking closer and I realize... A lot of it is volcano mulch, meaning they've piled the mulch up on the base of the tree, uh, up like a volcano. And I was stunned because I thought, well, the park district wouldn't do that. Well, then I, I so I posted this on Facebook and I got a response from somebody who said, oh, I know what happened. They had these volunteers. There's this group that comes in, uh, kids, high schoolers. They're in Chicago doing good works. And I'm using air quotes here. Good works in Chicago. Uh and apparently, they came out to the park. They were told mulch the trees mm-hmm. and given no instruction. Uh, that's not good. That's no. really dumb. Now we've got a bunch of these trees with volcano mulch around them, and really, we need an event. I, you know, I need to contact tree keepers at Open Lands and say you need to get a bunch of tree keepers out there and undo what was do- the good work. You have to undo <laughs> the good work that was done before. So, what would be the best thing to do with those volcano Just mulches? Then pull the mulch away. Yeah, that's it. Just mm-hmm. a, lo- a lawn rake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pull it away. So, how f- so, so if a homeowner hard- has that, how far away should they be pulling the mulch? Ideally, six to twelve inches away. Mulch, mulch like a donut, not like a <laughs> volcano. Right. So, the the donut know. is you want a donut around the base mm-hmm. of the tree. And the other thing, the another key is you need to see the flare of the tree, the bottom of the tree where it flares the roots flare mm-hmm. out. If you can't see the flare, your plant, your it's planted too deeply or it's mulched too deeply. Correct. Yeah, that's that's basic tree care, uh, and and unfortunately, a lot of what we deal with is wrong tree, wrong spot, planted the wrong way, uh, and their investment's been made, and so we're trying to turn something around uh, again 
we want to be proactive to get out there ahead of time. All right. Uh, two more things before we go. I, you've been talking about variety. I, before the end of the day, I want you to come up with varieties that you like to see planted in the upper Midwest, okay? Um, because this happens all the time. People say, well, what should I plant? If you don't like what, you know, I, I planted a calorie pear and I just wince. And they go, well, what do you want instead? You know, or, you know, I planted a Norway maple. Oh, my God, people are still planting Norway maples? Are you kidding me? Uh, things like that. Um, and spruces. Stop planting spruces. <laughs> I mean, I could give you a list of trees that you should stop planting, but what are the ones that you should plant, plant in your yard. So I'm going to give you a chance to think about that. No pressure. Well, you're going to have two two minutes in the break. Um, <laughs> He's getting his pen ready. Exactly. Um, and the other thing that I want to get to is something we talked about in the lobby, which is uh, when you plant a tree. Ash was here yesterday. We were talking to him about that. And I've seen some conflicting things about when you plant a tree, what's the best time? And I think it boils down to, and you and I, again, we talked about this before the show, I think it boils down to the species. You know, what is it you want to accomplish? What is the species you want to put in there? Conifers behave differently from deciduous trees um, and uh, that sort of thing. And and all all trees are different. So those are the two we're going to hit before the end of the hour because I want to make sure people know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is Skeet. He is from Bartlett Tree Experts. Go to Bartlett.com. Where are you based exactly? We have four locations in Chicago, and we've got a Northbrook, Lake Barrington, Bolingbrook, and right downtown Chicago. (laughs) So we got you covered. You're in Chicagoland. We will be more than happy to take care of your trees. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMille. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. This is tree keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Open Lands has tree keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, where we have a lust for trees here. Skeet is in the house from Bartlett Tree Experts. We're talking and answering questions about your trees uh, at 877-711-5611 or on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever you decide to do that. And the question we were asking, I was asking before the break, Skeet, is what do you like? What do you like to see people planting uh, in the upper Midwest? That, that is a tough, quick answer to, uh, to know, come I, up with. I know. Because you're going to get my warped, oddball tree care perspective because I, I like different. Uh, you, know, you know, if somebody wanted the, the quick, easy, quick growing, you can go with the locust tree. Okay. But uh, well, want, I'll tell you one right, right off the bat. Yeah. An oak. Find yeah. an oak that'll work in because there's uh, there's tons of oaks that'll work. Not all of them work in every spot. What what what's your? Uh, already, you, he already wrote down I, oaks. I, I so say, that's oaks. the right answer. Yes, and okay. and in in a couple months it will be October, and and that's the time we can start planting some oak trees. October, so uh, <laughs> oak trees absolutely. Uh, you know, when we talked about some uh, conifers or evergreens, and and um, the poor spruce trees really got a beating here this morning. So uh, if we're looking for some conifers, um, con color fir, fir tree. Okay. Uh, it looks like a blue spruce. It's soft. Furs are friendly. Uh, con color fir would be a, a evergreen alternative. Uh, the green giant arborvitae would be another evergreen alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serbian spruce, Norway spruce, um, those would be some alternative evergreen type uh, uh, trees, depending on location, space, size, future growth, um, those would be some alternatives. Um, other trees I I enjoy, and again, you're getting my perspective on this. Uh, beach trees, mm-hmm. the con color beach, tricolor beach, or excuse me, not con color. How about uh, tricolor beach or copper beach would be some trees. Something other than green leaves. When you do this all day, I like to have leaves <laughs> other than green. Uh, it, it sparks a little interest out there. I know the Norway maples have uh, taken a little bit of a beating. Uh, however, <laughs> From they, me, yeah, okay. They, what can I tell you? Well, I'll right. tell you, here's the problem I have with the Norway maple uh, is that the canopy is so thick that nothing yeah. gets through. Light does not get through. Rain does not get through. Yeah. The root system is 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 massive and up close to the surface, and nothing will grow in it. I had... Uh, a friend of mine who wanted me to help with their yard. I couldn't get I, – so I got to the point where I was just throwing stuff in the yard. I'm mending the soil, and still anything that would survive was going to stay. Sure. And that's the way I was under a Norway maple, and that's yeah. why I'm not a fan of yeah, Norway yeah. maples. Yeah. Uh, a crimson king in Norway maple has that maroon leaf to it, uh, slow to medium grower. Mm-hmm. And, again, right tree, right spot, right way. Could be alternative because it has that maroon leaf, something other than green. Uh, those would be just a, a few ideas um, of just different types of trees uh, for selection, just mm-hmm. to, for diversity's sake. But but the idea, if you can, mm-hmm. okay, go to a place that you respect that has good information, and one of them is the Morton Arboretum. Absolutely. You go to mortonarb.org, and they have selections, and they'll tell you all about the tree, including 
Uh, is it native? Yeah, the Selecting and Planting Trees uh, booklet yeah, there, yeah. Um, and you can find that online as well. This is one place you can go. If if you're not right in this neighborhood, go to uh, the uh, Arboretum in your area that you respect uh, and and do it for your area. Um, and uh, all right, let's get real quickly to planting trees as yes. well. Okay, yes. that was the question that Ash had for us yesterday, and... Um, he he wanted to know he he was looking at sugar maples, okay. Sure. Yes, and uh, I didn't give you that tad uh, that bit of information ahead of time, but he was trying to figure out when to plant a, a sugar maple, uh, and and yes, keep those <laughs> those bagworms <laughs> away. I don't want them spreading here in the studio. Okay, we, we are labeling one Mike and one Peggy. We will have no. the bagworm race. Uh, get some chocolate and we'll put it on it. Um. And uh, so he was wondering about that, but then it got, we got into a general question of when do you plant trees and when's the best time? As we're heading into fall, I said, well, uh, you know, I know that autumn is a good time to plant trees, uh, some species, because you're getting root development and the leaves are not as big a concern so that the roots get to do their thing and the soil stays warmer than the air often, and that's part of how the growth continues to happen well into the fall, Right. Yes, and and we're going to talk about generalities here. Yeah, we're general. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, well, spring, yeah. spring yeah. and fall is the time to plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, if somebody, depending on the species, if somebody had a, a passion for it and had the dedication for the watering and to monitor the watering, because you know we speak about watering and, and we did get some rain. However, you got to get a little dirty. You got to dig in the ground mm-hmm. and and see is the water down three, four, five inches. You know, we may hear the rain, we may hear the thunder, we look outside and the ground, you know, pavement's wet, it rained. Mm-hmm. Well, that may not have soaked into the tree roots. So we really got to get dirty and, and really check to see for the watering, which comes to the planting when it's super hot, when it's 80, 90 degrees to put a newly planted tree out without the care in the middle of summer may not be the best way to go. Uh, patience, patience, patience. Spring or fall would be the, the time to uh, do that moderate soil temperatures, moderate air temperatures, and a uh, better chance of success. So how do you know whether it's indeed a spring planting or a fall planting that's going to serve you best? Or if you do it right, does it not matter that much? If you did, More than timing, putting the right tree, the right spot, the right way is critical. Mm-hmm. That's more important than spring or fall. So planting the right way, you could plant the right tree at the right time of the year the wrong way mm-hmm. and blame the tree. <laughs> I always blame the tree. I blame everybody else around me. and the I blame the plant when it dies. Yeah, exactly. It's not my fault. Exactly. Hashtag blame the tree. Blame the tree. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So um, knowing how to plant is more important than when to plant. Um, so that's that's All right. critical. And when you say how to plant, uh, let's t- give me, I can see you got your planting guide there. Uh, give us a quick uh, primer on planting yeah, trees. Yeah. Uh, again, you mentioned the Martin Arboretum. Um, there's a, a lot of other resources, extension agencies on how to plant. So the picture um, speaks a thousand words, and that's a matter of finding that root flare. You spoke about the root flare, so kudos to you. Um, finding <laughs> that root flare, getting that root flare slightly above ground. Deeper's I, not can I tell better. a quick story? Okay, I bought a plant that, w- that I was putting in the ground for somebody else, and I had gotten it from a nursery, and it was in a root ball, and it was huge. It was a yeah. huge tree. 
And um, I was looking at the root ball and I didn't see a flare. So I started digging. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the flare was six inches below the top of the root ball. Right. And I realized, wow. oh my God, if I had put that in the ground where the, the, the top of the soil was, that tree was dead. That's yeah. it. You, yeah. You'd love it to death. Yeah, yeah, so you have to figure that out. And then you got to make sure you don't dig your hole so deep that the tree falls down in there. Don't dig too deep and think you can backfill it and then it'll be because that soil is going to sink. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. You, you, so you want it's better actually to plant a tree a tiny bit too high than it is too low, right? Plant high, drain well, hope like heck. <laughs> So that that's your motto out that, there. That's my motto. If I if if we can have fun doing this and and people can remember a few items, uh, you know that that's we really want to have fun with this. Uh, though knowing the right way, the right way, and the right person to do the right job is is critical. Correct. Uh, fabulous. Well, uh, Skeet, as always, thank you for uh, coming by again. Go to Bartlett dot com for uh, your tree care needs uh, in the Chicago area and across the country and even uh, internationally. You guys are everywhere. Um, uh, but uh, you should ask specifically for Skeet in, in this area. Um, and um, I think that's that's kind of it. That's kind of how it goes, right? He's going to yeah. take his bagworms and go. Yeah, get I, your <laughs> take those bagworms and get them out. I mean, it's, they're still creepy. What, what can I tell you? It's like the creepiest thing I've ever this seen. This is my world. This is the fun we play in and uh, very fortunate. Bartlett's been a great organization to be with. And just right. give us a call. We'll be happy to take care of you. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847 a new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for Second Hour Capitalist Radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And music out. Music free. Thank you. And uh, one of the things I wanted to get to uh, before, uh, by the way, uh, in the second hour today, um, this is going to be really good. This is, uh, we're very excited to have uh, Carrie Gillum back on the show uh, to talk about Roundup and glyphosate. You've seen it in the headlines recently and she was on the show back in december um 
because uh, she wrote a book uh, about that. And uh, she is again with us. By the way, the name of her book is Whitewash, the story of a weed killer, cancer, and the corruption of science. And uh, she is uh, going to be here again to talk about these, this judgment against uh, Monsanto Company uh, involving Roundup and a, and a guy who app, uh, an applicator uh, out in California. And that's making big news, and it's, it's got a lot of consequences, so we'll get into that. But when I wanted to... Um, Talk real quick, uh, one, if you go to the website, MikeNovak.net, and look at the photo that is the primary photo on the site this week, uh, that's a photo I took in, in my neck of the woods in Logan Square. Uh, and there's a cool, very cool thing going on with art and trees. Um, uh, and uh, it's, part, it's something called the Chicago Tree Project 2018, and it's a joint venture between Chicago Sculpture International and the Chicago Park District. Um, it's a citywide effort to transform sick and dying trees into vibrant public art, using art as a vessel for public engagement, they write. Sculptors will transform a variety of trees into fun and whimsical experiences for the greater Chicago community. Now, the idea of losing tens of millions of ash trees is not exactly fun, but the one uh, that's in the Palmer Square Park in my neck of the woods is this amazing sculpture where this hand is it looks like it's reaching out of the mm-hmm. ground and grabbing the tree. And right above where it's grabbing the tree, there's a emerald ash borer on the tree. And the tree is dead. I mean, it's it, a sculpture it, of the, it's the a, ash borer. Um, it's a sculpture of the ash borer. Well, yeah, because it's it's you know it's five big. five feet long, so that's uh, <laughs> not a real ash borer. Um, and you can't tell from the website, uh, but the tree is, is lopped off, uh, just a few feet above. It's not a live tree. It's a dead tree. Um, and, uh, it's just stunning. It's a wonderful piece of art and there's others going on and you can find the links there and find out about this. And by the way, the artist's name is Carrie Fisher. Yep. I'm not making that up, but it's spelled F I S C H E R. Not uh, Carrie. The other Carrie Fisher was F I S H E R. Uh, so artist Carrie Fisher did this one, and it's called the Helping Hand. And what's interesting about it is you can't, it, like most art, uh, it's not. You have to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you know what does that mean? The Helping Hand is it helping pull the tree out of the ground? Is it helping try to swat the uh, the EAB? Is it helping something else? I don't know what it exactly what it means and 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 the best art doesn't necessarily have ready-made answers right so that's why i, I kind of like that sculpture because i'm i, I can't and the word i was going to use uh, i can't it's flown out of my head i have no idea what uh, whatever uh, ambiguous there we go it's ambiguous that's the word so there you go means different things to different people yeah exactly did you have something else that uh you uh you wanted to get well to? i was going to talk about where we we're earlier this week at the Garden Writers Yeah, convention. that was cool. We went down to, uh, to Navy Pier. Go ahead. You can talk about it. Knock yourself just, out. <laughs> it, it, we went down, because last Sunday we had uh, C.L. Fornorion and um, Mary-Kate and... Uh, Mary-Kate Mackey. Mary-Kate Mackey. Andrea Whiteley. And Andrea from Perth. And we got to see them there and, and listen to some of their presentations, too, and, and meet a lot of great garden writers 
who were in from all over the country and all over the world. And I got to sit in seminars and find out everything I'm doing wrong with my blogging <laughs> and everything I'm doing wrong with my podcast. It was so exciting to just be so, so, uh, oh so well informed. Oh, you know me. It's just like <laughs> all these very successful people. You're like, okay, tell me why you're successful and why I'm not. Okay, okay, let's find that out. Well, we'll give that a hashtag, Blame Bill. That's right. All right, there you go. Speaking, and speaking, speaking of Blame yeah. Bill, how's that for a segue? Um, Sunday, today, 1 to 3, playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall coming up right here on WCGO after Richie Z's Chicago History and Automotive Heaven at noon. Uh, today, Bill and Carrie are, are going to welcome Amy Omder of Omder Productions, who's in studio to talk about next weekend's Port Clinton Art F- Festival in Highland Park. They've got author Judge Michael Bender and critically acclaimed Chicago filmmaker Michael Smith ahead of his new film, Rendezvous in Chicago. And lots of other things, lots of fun, and of course, hashtag blame Bill. Of course. Hashtag they, thanks, Mike Novak. Uh, exactly. This is this the way they roll. And uh, they I got to tell you, they've been doing some really, really great stuff on uh, Playtime with uh, Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. Uh, although I'm supposed to say, I th- am I supposed to say the Bill Turk part and you say Carrie Kendall? Carrie Kendall. Is, 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 uh, is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just wondering. Shut up, Wesley. All right. Uh, there we go. All right. When we come back. We are going to have, uh, as I said, Carrie Gillum on the phone. Uh, you're welcome to participate in the conversation. I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, 877-711-5611 is our phone number, or Facebook or Twitter, all that stuff. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Now's the time to sign up for one of McHenry County's premier sustainability events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 3rd, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Mike and I were there, and we know the expo's a fun way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that a couple of junipers and a lawn ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long-overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16th at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impactconference. 
You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. This is your talk. And this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we're very pleased uh, to welcome back to the show a woman who was here with us uh, just past December. Uh, She's written a book, uh, wrote a book last year, Whitewash, the Story of a Weed Killer, Cancer, and the Corruption of Science. Uh, She is a journalist, former senior correspondent for Reuters International News Service, a member of both the Society of Environmental Journalists and North American Agricultural Journalist uh, and Research Director for the Consumer Group U.S. Right to Know. Welcoming back to the show, Carrie Gillum. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's Good so, morning. I, it is a pleasure to have you again. And the reason Carrie's here is because I saw a headline <laughs> last week. And I'm sure a lot of people saw the headline because the headline was everywhere. The verdict heard around the world. Uh, basically. Um, and it was a jury uh, judgment uh, against Monsanto and its weed killer um, Roundup. Chief ingredient is glyphosate, um, and uh, Roundup uh, you should know is there's many formulations of Roundup, but generally the the chief uh, active ingredient is glyphosate. And so I guess we start there, Carrie. That that made huge news uh the judgment was 289 million dollars um and that was pretty much a, a stunning decision wasn't it it really was i mean for monsanto for its new owner bear you know bear the german company just bought monsanto in june and uh shares of bear plummeted uh, after this and they they continue to be down because shareholders are are so taken aback and so concerned about this and uh Monsanto is very worried about it because of course this is only one case you know one man one plaintiff and there are mm-hmm. 4000 others sitting out there uh, who have already filed lawsuits as well um so if you multiply this verdict by 4,000 plaintiffs, uh, you know, which of course isn't the way it would play out, but it's still a very no. uh, damning uh, first blow against Monsanto. And there's so many, boy, there's so many different directions we could go here. The first I will say is um, I'm sure, well, we know that Monsanto is going to appeal. Uh, and, and if right. you if you look at history of, of decisions like this and awards like this, they're often smacked down um, reduced uh, uh, greatly, sometimes thrown out. Um, is is this something that's likely to stand up, or is there just no way to know that? Well, of course, you know you, you can't know. This is going to be up to a judge and possibly many different judges um, as it goes through appeals. Uh, and Monsanto is seeking to have the the verdict uh, thrown out. Um, the, the the situation, though, is, I mean, during the trial, Monsanto made many objections. 
um, asked for quite a bit of evidence to be withheld, to not be allowed in for the jury to hear. Mm -hmm. And the judge pretty much sided with Monsanto on every single situation. So it's not clear that the company has very much to appeal. Um, You know, the rulings pretty much all went their way, except, of course, the jury verdict. Um, So what they've been arguing, in essence, is that uh, the the plaintiff's attorney was was just really mean to them and uh, really painted them in a bad light. Uh, they're they're not really contesting the facts. They're saying that the facts were not presented in a in a good way, and that the the, um, uh, the jury was just overly emotional uh, and didn't really look at the science. Well, there's what Monsanto's position. Is. Yeah, well, the, uh, I was uh, doing some research on this, and one of the uh, okay, I went to Snopes to see, and they've they've written on this several times. And as they point out quite accurately, you know, a jury trial is not always about the science. It's about how do you convince Well, you know, um, I, uh, I for a long time I've done um, uh, legal conferences, been involved in legal conferences. And one of the great sayings from legal conferences or, or from the law world is best story wins. And that's that is that's a case anywhere you go mm-hmm. in jurisprudence. Um, so obviously the, the uh, prosecutors told a great story here. You wrote that Monsanto and you did a piece in the guardian last week. Um, and, uh, I've got the link to that at MikeNovak.net. You can go to my uh, blog and find that you wrote that Monsanto was undone by the words of its own scientists. The damning truth illuminated through the company's emails, internal strategy reports, and other communications. Uh, The jury's verdict found that not only that Monsanto's Roundup and related glyphosate-based brands presented a substantial danger to people using them, but there was clear and convincing evidence that Monsanto's officials acted with malice or oppression in failing to adequately warn of the risks. This is something you've been saying for a long time, however. Uh, You said it in, in your book. Um, so to have uh, the, the, the jury come out and, uh, and, and back up uh, what you've said in the past, uh, you must find gratifying, but obviously there's still a long way to go. And I want to, and I do want to get into the, the, the notion of the, the science and anti-science and, and all of that, because you're, you're, you're smack in the middle of that. But so how, but tell us how Monsanto was undone by its own words. Yeah, and that's a good point to bring out. I, I feel like if, if this had only been science, if they had only looked at each side's science, it might have been a harder call because it is very difficult. You know, there there are stacks of scientific papers on one side and stacks on another. Uh, now, many favoring Monsanto have been funded by Monsanto or written by Monsanto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the independent science largely shows ties to cancer, while the industry science does not. Um, but but it's not even a close call when you start looking at Monsanto's own internal emails because as I said these are Monsanto's own words and and they are they show the company very deliberately for decades working to suppress the evidence of, of harm and risk not to explore it not to discuss and say gosh I wonder if we should you know look at this deeper I wonder if we should warn customers about what people are finding. I wonder if we should be concerned. They're not saying that. They're saying, how do we cover this up? How do we harass scientists? How do we suppress science? How do we ghostwrite scientific literature? I mean, if their product really is so very safe as they claim, why would they have to engage in such 
deceptive practices for so long to prop it up? That's a big question, and I think that's what resonated with the jurors. Mm-hmm. And and what kinds of things were were they saying? Uh, do you, I, I assume you followed the trial very closely. Right. Yeah. And and of course, much of the the evidence that was laid out in court is laid out in my book, mm-hmm. um, because what you see is you see Monsanto ghostwriting different papers that appear in scientific literature that declare glyphosate or Roundup to be very safe. You see that though they appear to be written by independent um, scientists, in fact, you see in the documents where Monsanto was writing them and drafting them and editing them. Uh, You see Monsanto working to figure out how to try to discredit independent scientists, um, putting out strategy plans, employing third parties so that it won't look like Monsanto's involved in the harassment. They want it to look like it's coming from other people. And they lay all this out internally. You know, they they have plans to discredit others um, that they talk about internally. And when you put that all out there, it really paints a picture of a very deceptive company. Uh, and and folks should know uh, they all everybody knows Roundup uh, pretty much. I mean, I, I if they, if somebody did a poll about name recognition, I got a feeling it'd be right up there. Um, it's the most heavily used agricultural chemical in the history of the world, uh, and part of the reason is because it works. All right, and I have friends um, who do um, ecological restoration. And this this is in their toolkit. Mm-hmm. And they they have told me that without glyphosate or uh, you know whatever whatever par- uh, kind of glyphosate they use, whatever the specific product name, um, they're out of business and their their job becomes ten times harder. Um, how do you how do you address those people, uh, Carrie? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a really good point, and it's really unfortunate because you're right. I mean, glyphosate and the weed killers, Roundup, Ranger Pro, others um, were and are quite a bit safer, at least on an acute level, than many other herbicides that, that were out there or have been used. Um, and, and it was very, very effective. Um, it's less effective now in areas where it's been overused. There's a lot of weed resistance. Um, but it was a great tool. Um, but sadly, what's happened is it's been overused, you know, because Monsanto promoted it so much for every single use and because of the weed resistance, because of genetically engineered crops. Um, you've just seen, as you said, volumes increase from about 123 million pounds in the 90s globally to close to 2 billion pounds a year now used globally. And when you overuse something like that and you hide the risks and you aren't warning people, you you wind up with a a lot of human health damage and environmental damage, and that's what we've seen. And I think if we would have um, had better stewardship, and would have mm-hmm. used this in a in a more restrictive fashion, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it we wouldn't see all the problems that we're seeing now. So, you know, solutions need to be need to be discussed and resolved. I don't know that banning it is the right way to go. I think that people need to uh, to sit down with policymakers and, and figure out a way to protect human health and the environment, uh, but maybe still have some of the efficacy that can be garnered from, from this chemical if possible. Let me pose a question here. Let's say uh, the, the groundskeeper, Dwayne Lee Johnson, um, let's say the defendant wasn't, I'm sorry, not the defendant, uh, the defendant was around uh, Monsanto, but the plaintiff uh, was a gardener who had used Roundup to, I don't know, on 
on some uh, uh, um, what's the weed uh, poison ivy. Okay, because poison ivy is really mm-hmm. tough to get rid of, and maybe they'd done that, and and then uh, hasn't been exposed to it, hasn't had the the stuff fly in his face for years. Um, do you think the outcome would have been different? You know, it, it depends. I don't know what gardener maybe isn't wearing a lot of protective gear, right? right. Um, and we do know now from the science and the evidence that's come out how easily it's absorbed through the skin and how the design is really meant for it to, to penetrate um, that type of dermal uh, layer and how it can get into your body. And if you're someone mm. uh, who is particularly vulnerable or has some other sort of things going on with your health, we saw that it can act as a promoter. Uh, we know that it can, uh, through the science that's been done, that it does DNA damage to people exposed to it. So, you know, it's like smoking. It's not every person who's exposed is going to get cancer, but it, it interacts uh, in ways in your body and with your cell structure that, you know, you very well could be that person who gets cancer if you're exposed in this way. And, of course, it would depend on how much you were using and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think the real problem is that people have been told it's so safe, they don't take the safety precautions that they would otherwise. I see people spraying it all the time. They're not wearing gloves. They're not wearing a mask. You know, their kids are falling along behind them, you know, rolled around in the grass at, right at where mm-hmm. they're spraying. Yeah. yeah. It's just irresponsible. Well, and, and there's collateral damage from that, too. I mean, and we're finding that out with now the, the new uh, Roundup Ready Dicamba products out there um and that is drift uh one of our friends uh, of the show casey tomato who grows tomatoes in uh, in the kansas city area um says that the drift from some of these products can, can go for miles in effect tomato plants certainly for miles and you and you mm-hmm. wouldn't even know where the yeah. source was but people get careless they do it on windy days well and and the point i've made on this show many many times is that the problem with uh, I see with a lot of pesticides is is not the pesticide itself, but the consumer, because the consumer will not read and follow label directions. And that's a problem because then, as you say, they're getting exposed in the ways that they shouldn't. Their kids are getting exposed. Their pets mm-hmm. are getting exposed because they're not paying attention Um and the, if we could get everybody in, in the best of all possible worlds, in a perfect world, everybody reads and follows ra- label directions. Everybody does it right. Nobody overuses a product. And then perhaps everything works out. That's not the world we live in, um, uh, as right. you know. Um, right, right. And this dicamba situation, you know, that's another litigation problem. There are 37 lawsuits right now um, with 181 plaintiffs suing Monsanto because of the dicamba drift. And and again, I mean, this is sort of an example of what happened with glyphosate. Scientists warned decades ago that unchecked, unrestricted use of glyphosate was going to lead to a whole variety of problems. And Monsanto essentially told the regulators, don't worry about that. Don't listen to them. Same thing with dicamba. Scientists warned, this stuff drifts. You cannot use it during summer months. It's going to drift for miles, and it's going to kill all of these vegetable crops and other people's crops that aren't genetically engineered. And Monsanto, again, said, regulars, don't listen to them. You know, listen to us. Mm-hmm. And, well, lo and behold, <laughs> it's are. come to pass that it's exactly what other scientists have predicted would happen. has happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's really unfortunate because all of this, you know, 
could have been prevented maybe or limited, uh, certainly, if we just would have paid more attention to independent scientists to begin with. Well, and what's interesting, and we need to break here. We'll be back uh, after we do that and wrap this up. But uh, what's interesting right now is there is conflict among farmers now about the dicamba-ready products that I'm not sure there was when uh, it was uh, glyphosate. Now, some of these farmers are saying, you know, we don't want to get on board with this, but our crops are being affected by my neighbor, and these battles are are, are happening now that I don't remember happening. And maybe they did with uh, glyphosate, and I just don't remember. But uh, that's part of the problem, too. It seems like there's some blowback on just rolling out chemical after chemical after chemical and process after process. Uh, that is the what we call conventional farming. Mm-hmm. All right, that's uh, uh, Carrie Gillum, the author of Whitewash, the story of a weed killer cancer and the corruption of science. We will re- be right back with her. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Did you know that enough plastic is thrown away each year to circle the earth four times? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Plastic doesn't biodegrade, at least not in 500 to 1,000 years. Between the islands of plastic, the size of countries floating around in the oceans, and the negative effects of it on wildlife and humans, we need to find ways to reduce and reuse plastic. So say no to plastic bags. Remember to bring your reusable ones when you shop. Recycle whatever plastic you can. Too much recyclable plastic ends up in the landfills. Extend the life of plastic items by finding clever ways to upcycle and reuse them. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the Inside Back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Tune in to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven Sundays at 12 noon with Richie Z right here on WCGO AM 1590. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep... Uh, doing sad little jokes here because you know you play a bump like shaking shaking shakes and i'm thinking yeah i had some breakfast cereal this morning and then suddenly i'm I'm all shaky and i don't know what that <laughs> it's not funny though because one well we've got carrie gillam uh, on the phone and and one of the things that happened in the wake of this decision uh the jury decision to uh to award 289 million 
dollars to uh, a man uh, who claimed that uh, Monsanto's Roundup pesticide gave him cancer. Now we're seeing that uh, glyphosate is being found in breakfast cereals. Um, but except that that you know that came out. I saw the CBS thing yesterday. I was watching TV and it came out on CBS. But Peggy, as you and I talked, that's that's not new news. That's that's been out for a mm-hmm. while. There's some new testing, but this isn't the first time. Uh, 2016 Food Democracy Now was reporting on that. Yeah. So uh, do you want to comment on that a little bit, Carrie? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I reported this in 2016, uh, not only Food Democracy Now!, but what I reported in 2016 Mm -hmm. was that our own FDA, our Food and Drug Administration, uh, found (laughs) glyphosate in a lot of baby food oatmeal. Now, the the FDA hasn't publicly reported that. I had to get that from their own internal documents through Freedom of Information reports. But, um, yeah, it's not new. It's it's in my book. It's yeah. not oats it's only. It's it's bread. It's flour. It's uh, we use it in vineyards. Right. So it's found in wine. And um, it it is as I make the case in the book. It's it's pervasive now in our food supply yeah. as well as in our water, uh, and it's found in our own bodies in human urine. So this this from EWG and, and that came out in CBS News. This is just one more sampling, one more testing um, regimen that shows it in our foods. Well, and you had. We had discussed with you last year in your book about how right before they harvest the oat crops that they spray the plants, and that's to to help them die and dry out sooner. Yeah, this is something that uh, Monsanto has a lovely little glossy black brochure that they um, give to farmers to encourage them. Even if you don't have genetically engineered crops, um, there are certain things like wheat and barley and oats that uh, Monsanto recommends you spray them shortly before harvest. Uh, the plants will then die. The grain is already mature, uh, and it, it allows the farmers to go ahead and harvest, uh, you know, faster in a more consistent way across their fields. And many farmers have done that, and uh, that's where you see these really high residues in finished products. Um, so, yeah, like I said oats, oatmeal, really considered to be healthy, but you're getting probably a dose of weed killer in your own. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm waiting for the okay. You know what's going to happen now? Quaker oat stock is going to go down. All right. Um, <laughs> there, uh, I look at that and I think, Hmm, you know, what would it's, it's given the ubiquitous nature of glyphosate and how much of it is used. Mm-hmm. I, it, what would be stunning if we did not find it in our food all over the place, that would be amazing. Right. Uh, the fact that we have, you have to sort of nod and say, yeah, I kind of expected that yeah, to happen. Yeah, figured that would happen. Yeah, and 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 the thing you talk about the spraying of the crops, um, not the GMOs, but the to dry them and mm-hmm. to cure them. The one-time uh, application. It's it that sort of flies under the radar. I think a lot of people aren't aware of that, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not common knowledge, <laughs> but farmers know about it. Uh, now, some grain handling companies have become very concerned about the practice and are starting to put in their contracts with farmers that they won't take their grain if they desiccate it with glyphosate before mm-hmm. um, because they're aware of the high residue issue. Uh, you know, So there is some pushback from grain handling companies and food companies who want the farmers to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, So it is a practice that, that, that people are looking at and scrutinizing now in the farm. Now we could we could go on for days uh, talking about this, but one thing I just what we really need to touch on here, Carrie, is the war that's going on um, between camps. I I likened it on my blog to the Maginot Line, where 
everybody's hunkered down in their trench and hurling insults at the other side. Uh, you know, there's the, 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 the side that favors use of glyphosate says you don't really have the science to uh, to say that it's harmful, that it's junk science. It's uh, even even when you've got uh, the World Health Organization, they say, oh, that report was flawed in so many ways. And then the folks on the other side say, you're you're killing us here with these chemicals. Um, and as we've already mentioned on this show, uh, if if we could find a way for everybody in the world to use little tiny amounts, they might actually do some good. Uh, but that's not the way the world works. And so now you're, you've gotten in the crossfire on this. I, I read a story that uh, recently that you posted about how you um, um, are taking hits and your, your integrity is being mm-hmm. impugned. Um, you're being trolled. Um, what's that like, Carrie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, very, very definitely so. Um, it, it rises and falls uh, after the verdict. You know, it, it's ramped up again. Obviously, when my book came out, it's ramped up. You know, it's unsettling. People they uh, people get onto my Facebook page and try to pull pictures and then change those into memes. You know, with nasty words and things. Uh, um, you know, they call me names. They uh, try to undermine my credibility. They, just all sorts of things. But they do this to to anyone who really speaks out and raises questions about the products. Um, and this is, again, part of what we saw in Monsanto's internal documents is that they plan this. This is, this is a strategy, hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's a brilliant one, uh, and they do it all over the world. Are you saying the strategy is to attack the people who attack them? Yes. yes. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's, well a, that's a Donald Trump thing, too, yeah. you know. So like the deniers for hire but, website. Deniers for hire, right? They set this up. And again, I don't know that, that anybody's attacking them. I, I don't feel like I'm attacking Monsanto. I feel like I'm trying to lay out a lot of different points and, and facts, and then people can take those facts. Like, I've, again, I've never said there should be a ban on glyphosate herbicides. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that there should be. I think there's been extreme overuse uh, and these unprecedented levels have undercut the effectiveness, you know, and done damage to human health and the mm-hmm. environment. I think that the facts back that up and that people need to pay attention to that and come up with, with better policies to address the situation. I don't know why that's controversial. You know, I think we should all uh, care about, you know, better policies to protect public health uh, and the environment while still protecting, you know, effective tools for farming. Uh, do you, do you, so, so do you think process that we're engaged? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say the process that we've been engaged in for 20 years, basically just handing over the keys to Monsanto, to the regulatory authority, you know, that isn't working for us over the long run. It's not going to work. And the sooner we wake up and realize that, the better. Well, what I wrote on my website was that the 800-pound gorilla in the room is the 800-pound gorilla, meaning Monsanto, which... Steam steamrolls its way across the farmlands of the planet, proclaiming that its mission is to feed the world and that the only way to do it is through the use of chemicals, the GMO products, the lack of transparency and bullying tactics. Now, you know, this is stuff you've written about (laughs) before. And if you dare get in their way, if you I mean, the question I was going to ask you, if, if you if you said to somebody who's on the other side. Would you agree with me that we use too much glyphosate on this planet? They would probably say, 
no, I don't agree with you on that. Uh, and I and I think right. and I and I agree with you, Carrie. We use too much of it. You wouldn't create super weeds if you were using it properly. Um, exactly. And it exactly. wouldn't be in all of our it cereal. Be, right. It shouldn't be leaving residues uh, in our foods. I mean, we have illegally high levels that are being found that our FDA is not telling us about. We have internal documents I've written about where they find it at illegally high levels in corn. And, and you can see them talking about how they're not going to consider that an official sample, so they're not going to have to report it. Um, and, and these illegally high levels aren't even we, – we don't even have time to get into the mm-hmm. levels that are set. Um, but Monsanto's pushed our regulators to allow more and more and more into our foods um, and to allow what is considered legal levels to get moved higher and higher. And it, it's just time that we take a, take a breath, take mm-hmm. a beat, and say – We've lost our sense of balance. This is out-of-control use. It's affecting our health. It's affecting the environment, and we need to do something about it. And people in Europe are taking a look at that, people in South America and other countries. It seems only in the United States um, that our regulators and our lawmakers, you know, are just firmly, you know, on the side of Monsanto and the chemical industry, so much so that they won't even consider the science that is out there that shows us these risks. And that's that's actually what I was just going to ask you about. Um, you wrote in your Sierra Club, um, SierraClub.org article this past week talking about the federal judge in Brazil ruling new products could not be registered in the country, um, things happening in Italy, things happening in France. Do you think other countries, other areas of the world are going to take and run with this and drive the future of glyphosate, or what do you think is going to happen? Well, you certainly see other countries already taking action, right? And in Europe, you know, they only granted glyphosate a five-year relicensing um, last year, and that was a very narrow decision. There were a number of countries that wanted it banned completely. Um, So I think Europe is going to be the first to act on this, really, um, in a very demonstrative way. Uh, And it's going to be a long battle, I suppose, Um, We'll, we'll have to see what, where the mm-hmm. EPA comes out on this. I mean, they could do things. They could be more restrictive with glyphosate um, and probably, you know, help sustain the effectiveness of it. Um, but they don't seem to be there yet. I think this jury verdict is still being digested, though, yeah. by yeah. a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And then the next trial is coming up in October, and that's a similar case? Very similar, similar allegations, um, you know, that Monsanto has hidden the risks. That, that it can cause cancer. There are several more slated for um, 2019. There were motions just filed this past week for a case in Montana. Mm-hmm. Another gentleman who is dying, not expected to live very long, so the attorneys are trying to get his case expedited. Uh, you know, they're, they're really trying to get as much out as they can. And the plaintiff's attorneys have said, you haven't even seen but the tip of the iceberg in terms of the evidence um, that comes out from Monsanto, yeah, uh, the evidence of deceptive tactics. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if folks want to know more about this, I'd suggest they pick up the book Whitewash, the story of a weed killer cancer and the corruption of science. Uh, and uh, it's more <laughs> more important than ever now that this is happening and things are going to change uh, and move forward. Who knows how mm-hmm. how this is going to all shake out. But uh, as you said, uh, Bayer stock has gone down 18 percent in the last couple of weeks which is is stunning actually and that shows you how important this product is to that company and to monsanto which is owned by bear uh carrie gillum thank you so much uh i have a feeling we'll be talking to you again in the future 
Uh, and uh, thank you for the taking the time this morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carrie. Rick DeMaio Weather next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Streets Alive returns to Main Street in Evanston on Sunday, September 9th from 1 to 5 p.m. And the Mike Novak Show is once again a proud sponsor. There's live music, crafts, pollinator, garden tours, bubbles, chalk art, painting, sports demos, delicious food from street vendors, and the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. As always, Main Street will be open for people to walk, bike, scooter, and skate. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. It's the Angelic Organics 11th Annual Harvest Moon Dinner on September 13th, supporting the center's work to bring urban and rural people together to build local food systems. Feast on a freshly harvested gourmet meal designed by executive chef Cletus Friedman at the Scenic Theater on the Lake. Dinner ingredients will be served at peak freshness from sustainable sources. Peggy and I will be there with a bunch of folks who love good local food and fun. Go to learngrowconnect.org slash harvestmoon. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Peggy, you were looking for a Rick DeMaio theme song. <laughs> I'm not actually sure this is a Rick DeMaio theme song, but it just seemed to make sense to me. Rick, uh, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to to hear it in the background. What what is the um, what is the selection? I get knocked down, but I get up again. Thumba uh, wumba, right? Uh, yeah, Chumba wumba. It's a tub thumping. Tub oh, thumping. that'll work. Yeah, but yeah, that'll right. work. I guess banana rama. I guess I'm clear. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I guess I'm um, I'm I'm okay to talk to you guys this week because my uh, my security clearance hasn't been revoked yet. That's oh gee, Ooh. oh gee. You know, I was uh, figuring yeah. figuring I was going to do a joke about that too somewhere along the line, but uh, no, well, you know me, I'm quick to the point on that. <laughs> you're always ready to jump in with something like that. So, are you watching? Have you been watching Be Depressed on TV? Uh, no, no, I actually, um, <clears throat> I slept in a little bit this morning. Rebecca got up and started watching, I think, at about 9.01. Um, but since tomorrow is my first day of, um, of actually teaching for the next semester. Already? Uh, I wow. tried to extend, yeah, I tried to extend the summer of Rick as much as possible. <laughs> 
yeah, I tried to get you to uh, on the links tomorrow, but oh no, I got to go teach. So uh, there you go. Yeah, and, and it's going to rain as well. So yeah, really. Come there. on, what what what's the deal, dude? And tell me when when is it going to rain tomorrow? That's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was quick. We we get to the most important part of the show, which is. When is it going to rain on Mike's golf course? Yeah, right. when, exactly. when you sent those maps yesterday, Rick, <laughs> and it did not make me happy. No, he was not a happy camper. No, no, I'm, I'm sure. Even though, for all the people out there who are like, like really needing rain for their gardens, it's all about Mike right now. <laughs> um, yes, you know, it I is. Haven't, I haven't really looked at the details, but the earlier you guys kick off your events, the better. Okay, because it looks like the steadier rain gets there about. Um, Eh, noon, one o'clock. So oh. it'll be. Hopefully, it'll be a dry start for you guys, yeah. but it, it will be a wet finish for sure. Uh, we'll get nine holes in. Yeah. Big golf umbrellas. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, but <laughs> but much better weather today for the year in water show. I'm actually, um, I'm on the Evanston Lakefront right now. I'm, I'm taking a bike ride on my normal morning swim. Um, and yesterday, you know, we had like those northeast winds with the lake effect clouds, so they had what was called a flat show, which meant that. Everything and anything that they tried to do normally um, was pushed all the way down to, I think, below 4,000 feet because of wow. a lot of static hue clouds coming off the lake. Um, also, the winds, which were blown at about 10 to 15 miles per hour, created four- to five-foot waves in some of those um, inlet areas where they typically do some of the water uh, events, and those were kind of scaled back as well. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you today is a much, much better day. Um, I'm already seeing a cascade of boats coming down Lake Michigan from the northern suburbs, and probably within about an hour or two, the area down around North Avenue, Oak Street Beach, will be quite filled. But uh, anyway, you slice it, this is a much better day outside for anything you want to do compared to what it was yesterday. Okay. If, if you're in that, all, even, all I even know... Even though yesterday wasn't bad, I guess people say, hey, what was wrong with yesterday? But I'm talking about the air show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can't, there, yeah. there are certain tricks they can't do because of the right. ceiling, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and plus they, the you know, the plane's got to be able to see each other as well. So when you're going from eight to ten thousand feet below a cloud deck that's two thousand feet uh, thick, and it's only a couple hundred feet or a couple of thousand feet off the ground, that's not very safe. So today is a much more open show than it was yesterday. And I had my cat yesterday. Every time one of those planes would go <laughs> overhead, uh, looking at me like, "What? What's <laughs> yeah, that? What's yeah, that?" Today, today is going to be a little bit more of a difficult day for the dogs and cats for sure. Oh, that's oh right, because there'll be a little more activity. Yeah, I thought it was actually right. kind kind of a minimum yesterday, minimal. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. There, there was very, and even there wasn't even the practice on Thursday. They waited till Friday because we had some of the thunderstorms that kind of mm-hmm. moved through. And in some areas, there was some decent rainfall. But as we've seen pretty much since about the first of July, rainfall across the area has been very spotty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to be careful when you look at overall numbers, like at O'Hare Field, where we're currently at like 3.75 inches. That's a dot. If you still look at the area on average, uh, we're below normal. And nearly the only thing saving us from super dry ground is the fact that we haven't been too hot. And it was really interesting because I was emailing back and forth with a couple of the meteorologists, and we noticed that for the month, the temperature surplus is almost 5 degrees. Mm. And we both went... It doesn't seem like it's been five degrees above war- above normal, but it's more so the overnight lows. There's been 14 days where the overnight low has not gotten below 70. So it's been more so the warm overnight mins rather than the upper, you know, the, the, the yeah. afternoon high temperatures that have gotten us to the surplus. But we will see some good rains tomorrow, very, very beneficial. And then, unfortunately, after that, 
we go into a very dry period and maybe even really hot. We could actually see the hottest temperatures of the summer for an extended period of time next week. Wow. Are you kidding me? We've had 95s and 97s. You're gonna, we're going to get hotter than yeah, that? They, yeah, yeah, they've been in bunches. They've been in like, you know, two or three day increments. We really have not gotten into a full-blown, you know, as I like to call it, a heat wave. But mm-hmm. I think next, next uh, Friday, Saturday... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we could be easily five days in the mid to upper 90s. It's a very, very warm pattern. We've been lucky from a standpoint of the heat. It's been mainly south. It's been mainly west. There's been a little burst of heat here and there across the Midwest, but we have not seen an extended period so far this summer. Uh, But your point is well taken about the the rainfall that – I think it's been deceptive rain in the last couple yeah. of, couple of weeks. You think it's a little more? Mm-hmm. I I know I got one pretty good shower in my yard, but in general, it has sort of dodged and weaved, and yeah. you know, it's, it depends yeah. where you are. Because yeah. the other night when Mount Prospect and and Naperville areas flooded, we had nothing, not even a drop. Yeah, yeah, that that was an interesting point, uh, Peg. That was like almost two and a half to three inches, and if you get over the Lake County, uh, the the Cook Lake County line. It was pretty much less than an inch. And then last week we had thunderstorms coming down the lake and Waukegan had oh, yeah. two and a half inches of rain and O'Hare had three quarters of that. So yeah, it was up there really in Waukegan when that came through. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a really, really heavy shower. But tomorrow I think everybody gets a nice soaking. This is going to be a very beneficial stop that. rain just for stop. everybody. Just stop. Just stop right there. Just just stop. <laughs> Except for the golfers. I forgot about that. Stop. I don't, you know. I, I, I it my, won't be over I, I your course. I have my Mike Novak show hat on. Oh, man. This is, all right. All right. Whatever. It's yep, just the way. I know. You know, I, I, I get to sneak out, you know, once a month <laughs> and maybe, and then it gets rained on. After all this dry. Blame Bill. That's, yeah. Okay, blame we're going to blame Bill for that. All right. Let's, uh, let's do a forecast here. Uh, you kind of did yeah. it already, but what do we got? Yeah, but, but that's okay. We can get extended. So perfect today. Lake water temperature is 78, so high temperature, 78 to 80 today. Right along the lake, you'll notice even with that breeze, it doesn't really cool down at night. 85 inland, perfect today. Rain tomorrow, probably near 80 for high. Uh, but a windy, cooler day on Tuesday, only mid-70s. Rain in the morning, but it ends probably by about 9 or 10. And then dry weather, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesday, probably mid to upper 70s. Thursday, near 80. Friday, 85 to 90, and probably Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of the following week, uh, most likely low to mid 90s. Wow, it's it's odd. The, the the hot weather seems to hit right on the weekends this this year for some reason. If you if you remember last year, we had our hottest period of this of the year in the month of September. We had seven yes. days in a row of temperatures above 95. It also it also was right along the line also of the hurricane season in the Atlantic, which I still think is going to be a down year. So. Even though we'll get warm in the month of September, I don't think it's going to be the extended stuff that we had last year. All right. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your cycling there, dude. And uh, <laughs> and and uh, good luck with the new school year as well. Yeah, it's always it's always it's always nice to see fresh faces in the in the, uh, in the, in the classroom. I like that. Yeah, because the, the the jaded ones have moved on. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Rick. Sounds good. Take care, Mike and Big. Bye-bye. I want to thank everybody who was on the show today. Mr. Skeet, uh, who was here in the studio talking about trees. Carrie Gillum, author, journalist, researcher, and writer. Uh, She uh, appreciate her being uh, on to talk about glyphosate. Rick DeMaio, Ellie, Ben Boquist. uh, Spin in the dial. Short straw. There he is. All right. Until next time, go green or... Go home. 
that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>